0: are listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you would like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. Great to be here today. I want to share an encouraging word today. This is going to be challenging for everybody here. Are you ready for that? Why Why don't you turn to your neighbor and just tell them it's okay for Joe to tell you off? Alright, it's okay. It's alright. It's okay. Don't be afraid. It'll be fine. We've been talking this month about uh, becoming unsettled, but getting out of the rut that we get stuck in in life. We, we are so good at humans, as humans, at setting up routine in our lives. Things that we like. Things that we expect. And then those very things that are so satisfying when you can just sit in your couch and go, ah then you get irritated with how boring your life has become. We are not made for ruts. We're made for grooves. Yeah, getting stuck in your groove, yes. Ruts, no. Grooves, yes. We are made to produce fruit. That is what we are called to do. So today we're going to be talking about cat-killing curiosity. (laughs) How many people love to do stupid things? None of us. But we all do them, don't we? It's that things about us that we just want to know why things are, and then we do things dumb just because of that. How many people are, one time I was on an ice hockey tournament trip, traveling with some friends and family that, like I didn't kind of know them that well, but this person I was traveling with to, you know, other players, I was in this, their dad's car, which was like this super luxurious, almost limousine car. They were clearly wealthy. And I was I was sitting in the back seat, a bigger seat than I'd ever sit, and sitting on leather seats, and it was so amazing. Even in the side oh, console, there was a cigarette lighter. But I had never seen a cigarette lighter in the back seat of a car. You know, people like, how much do we need to smoke in a car that you've got to have a cigarette lighter at every door corner? Anyway, so I pushed it down, and after a while, it popped back up. I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then I pulled it out. And I couldn't tell for sure if it was hot. So I put my finger in it. And of course, the sizzling sound and the burning flesh smell that now filled the car just made us all aware that Joe has done another thing, dumb. But there is that sort of adventurous spirit is what I really want to encourage today. Have you ever done anything that you felt like kind of got you stuck in a spot, but it was good for you to try. I think that there's a lot of things about that phrase, curiosity killed the cat, that you always feel like it's bad news when you do curious things. Did you know that that curiosity killed the cat phrase has actually been wrecked? That's not what it meant originally. We've turned it into a sort of a threat, saying, don't do things, don't let your curiosity ruin your life. But in fact, curiosity is what brings good things to our lives. And I want you to understand this. There is so much in the scriptures that Jesus is teaching us so that our lives excel, not so that they get smaller. He talks about our lives in many different ways, and we've been focusing on this over this year, about how he's called us to be passionate about Jesus, to be called us to be passionate about God, that a life, human life lived, is never lived right unless we're passionate about God. But it's also, we're supposed to be passionate about using our gifts and talents, and we're supposed to be compassionate on the needs and the pains of other people in our lives, where those three things are basically how you could measure the success of human life. And here in the middle, this parable of the talents, he talks about how life will ultimately be measured when Christ comes back to see what we've done with something we've been given. He says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one, he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. And then he went away. Don't you love that he went away? When the boss leaves the room, what do you do? When the teacher leaves the classroom, what do you do? When your parent leaves your bedroom, what do you do? When you're not supervised, what do you do? And see, that's what God wants us to know is that he's given us something and it's up to us to do something with us. He's not going to scold us or prod us or force us. He leaves us the choice to do what we want to do. And then he says, for the five and that two, those people went away and they produced wonderful things and everybody celebrated. It was so good that they lived their lives well. But for the one who received one talent, when he... When the master comes back and says, what did you do with it? It says, he also had received one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed, so I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Now, I'm sure that this guy thought this is going to be okay. At least I didn't lose it. At least I kept it. At least I didn't risk what I had been entrusted. And of course, you know from the story that Jesus is not happy at all. He is not happy that you took what he gave you and you did nothing with it. And I think that there is a principle we can understand that God is not okay with our willingness to avoid risk. I know your grandpa might have been okay with it. Your mom, your wife, your husband, your children, they might be all happy that you do nothing. But God is not happy that you do nothing with what he's given you. And I think that's a challenge to me. I I kind of think that wisdom is a life lived without risk, where I'm sure about what's going to happen. But the truth is God invites us into a life of risk, where we don't know what's going to happen because it requires God's miracle to make it happen. You see, when we take chances, that's when we see God's glory. And God is calling us. You know, they say statistically... One of the largest segments of unemployment in our Western world is young men, 25 to 35-year-olds, unemployed. But where do you find young men 25 to 35-years-old if they're not working? Conquering the gaming world. <laughs> Playing video games. I mean, I'm, I'm not a video game person. I've got other temptations that I have to resist. Playing video games is not one of them. But there are people literally who are wasting their lives in their bedrooms playing video games. And if that's you, I just want to say something to you. Someone said something very wise once that I thought he he said, It's very hard to tell the difference between laziness and fear. And I'm sure most people think a person that plays video games all day is just lazy. But the reality is you're probably just afraid. You're afraid to take the chance. You're afraid to go out there. You're afraid to lose. You're afraid to risk. And that, I think, is the story of the whole world because everybody has something that they use to pacify themselves, to pass the time that feels like success, but it's not accomplishing anything. It might be all of the hours that you waste on Facebook, Instagram, or Snapchat, or whatever social media thing that I've never heard of. All of the time that you spend just pleasing your family. All of the time you spend just going through the motions at work. There's lots of human behavior that really is just fear looking like laziness. And I'm here today to challenge that. You see, Jesus said once to the people of Israel, he said, therefore I tell you the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. We've been entrusted with something and we're required to do something with it. He also said, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever who would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In fact, the entire way of salvation means letting go of our lives and entrusting them to Jesus. Somebody who actually knows way more about life than we do, but we feel like it's a risk to lose it but you gain it all back and billions of eons more. You lose a short-term thing and gain an eternal thing. You lose something that is seemingly all that you have, but you give it to somebody who's faithful to do something with it. And I think that that's what his call is about to us today, to really risk losing. I am... I was challenged as I was reading through the book of Ecclesiastes about the wisdom of the book of Ecclesiastes Solomon as Solomon's asking the question, why bother? Why do I bother? What's the point of all of this? Living, dying, making stuff, having stuff, enjoying stuff. What does it matter? And it can kind of leave you with a point where you kind of feel like, well, then who cares? Just enjoy yourself and do whatever you want because none of it matters. But he says, no, life is still a risk. He says, he who observes the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know, the way of the Spirit comes into the bones of a womb, in the womb of a woman with a child. So you do not know the work of God who makes everything. So in the morning, sow your seed. At the evening, withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Don't you love that? He says again and again, you cannot live a risk-free life. You have to take what you have and you have to put it out there. If you hold your seeds and go, well, it doesn't look like the right season. It's not working perfectly. The stars are quite quite aligned. When I said this, my mom got really upset. If you're looking for the perfect environment, it'll never come. So you've got to give it out. Because you just don't know because you don't know how God works. You don't know how it will turn out. Risk. So, life is a risk. If you're not risking, you're not living. If you're not risking, you're not living. (laughs) I'll tell you what, you never feel so alive as when you're about to die. Right? Yes, cancer survivors calling out amen. Yes. You see, God is calling us today to live a life that we've never dreamed that we could live, because only he can make the life. You know, I, I, got, I was thinking about this risking stuff lately, and I'm wondering to myself, what example am I of this? Am I a risking kind of person? I think most people, they would say that I'm a pretty conservative person until they see me on a work site. <laughs> and they're like, that's a dangerous person, get him off the worksite." I'm always kind of doing things without the safety guards on. In fact, every time I buy a grinder, the first thing I do is take the safety guard off of it because I think it's just in the way. <laughs> now, you can say all of these things are there for a purpose, but I think, what about, I mean, work doing workplace safety stuff, that's not a good thing to do. <laughs> but what about the rest of my life? Like right now, we as a church, and we've decided to buy a cinema in Goler. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Ronnie, super feel encouraged do you know how much risk that just added to my life how much trial that added to my what do we know about running a cinema nothing nothing at all but we're gonna do it we're also gonna run a secondhand clothing shop do we know anything about that we don't know nothing but go ahead jody have a turn we see. I think that there's a lot of things in life that look like you shouldn't because you've got no idea. But that's what risk is. Let's let's talk today about John O's risk. I I put uh, the his name into Australian so that you'd understand him. John O. Uh, John O. was uh, uh, King Saul's son and uh, faithful guy very close friend of David's, though about 25 years older than King David. But he lives as an example in the scriptures of somebody that would just trust God for stuff. He was the wise counsel of King Saul. He was the encourager of others, including King David. But it says one day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to his armor bearer, he said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let's go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side just so you know, in case you don't know much about the Bible. It, it, the people of God calls it Israelites. We're living in an area that we knew we call today the promised land. Today, it's now called Israel again, although the whole area is called Palestine. But, As the people of Israel moved into that area and took the land that God had given them, there were enemies that were there in that land that were trying to stop them. And by enemies, I mean they had every heart's intention of destroying the people of God, wanted to kill them. And those people worshipped gods who were cruel and vicious gods. And God said, I've had enough of that. I don't want those people on the face of my earth anymore. So he, he raised up these Israelites to get rid of very evil and wicked people. One of those people groups was the Philistines, and they had been terrorists for about 300 years through that community. But they never, they never were dislodged. They were always kind of there. So many times when you're reading the Old Testament stories, you're like, why are they fighting the Philistines again? It's like the Philistines are their arch enemies that God uses as a punching bag to help strengthen his people. And so one day they're out having to deal with the Philistines again, who are running rampant and wrecking the community. And so he says, he says, come, let's go over to the Philistine garrison. That's where the soldiers are, and to the other side. He did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron, not, not uh, Migraine. The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah, the son of Ahitab, uh, Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the priest wearing the priest of the Lord in Shiloh wearing an ephod, and the people did not know what way Jonathan had gone. Within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on one side and a rocky crag on the other. One was named Bozes and the other named Sena. And one crag rose in the north and there was a mishmash. And there was a south one called Geba. Now, I'm not going to go into all that detail because that's just actually military stuff. But the point is this. Saul, the king, the guy who was supposed to be fixing the problem, was camped about as far away as possible. Isn't that fantastic? Let's get the army to safety. (laughs) What kind of an attack plan is that? So, in the area that these Philistines were rebbing, Saul got the army together and quickly found the safest place to hide out. Now, the army was also as far away as possible. And that, of course, meant that the priests were as far away as possible. And there was an ephod. Now, the priests in those days, in order to hear from the Lord, they were given this ephod, uh, which was a vest that they would take before the Lord, and through that, they would determine the will of God for situations. It's kind of like God's version of a satellite phone. So the, the voice, the satellite phone, was with them in the camp as far away as possible. And Jonathan went to see if. Isn't that a fantastic setup for a great story? I've got to tell you this. There's going to be people all over your life who are looking for the safest way through with the least amount of trouble. And when you want to stick your neck out, they're going to think you are dumb. But all they're doing is protecting their own backsides. They're not doing anything about the problem. They're taking care of themselves. And so Jonathan, and this is the reason this story is in the scripture, Jonathan did not do what was expected of him. Jonathan broke the rules. Jonathan did not even ask for permission. Jonathan just went looking for trouble. And he took one dum-dum with him. Well, the dum happened to be his armor bearers who seemed to have the spirit of God in him. But anyway, it says, Jonathan said to the young man who carried it, Come, let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised, that it may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or few. And this armor bearer said to him, do that it's all that's in your heart. Do as you wish. Be with you. Behold, I am with you heart and soul. If you don't know those phrases, those do what's in your heart, do what you wish. Behold, I'm with you heart and soul. Do you know who that sounds like most often in the Bible? The prophets of God when they are speaking for God. This, this armor bearer was God's voice pe- per- voice person To the man who is willing to do God's will. And when this man asks God, Should I take this risk? God backs him up and says, Go for it. Do it. You can do it. Everything that's in your heart, that's what's going to happen. Everything that I've stirred up inside you, that's what you're about to see. Everything that can be, that's what I'm dreaming for you. Just don't stay here. If you wanted to know, do you know this? That when, when you accept Christ into your life, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is God's presence living in you. That is how that prophecy, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is how this is fulfilled. The Lord is now with you. And if you, for one minute, for those nervous times in your life, if you were to ask the Holy Spirit who lives in you, what do you think about this trouble we should get in? The Holy Spirit's almost always going to answer, yes, please. (laughs) Yeah, let's do that. I know everyone else is going to say dumb, but I'm going to say, yeah. So Jonathan said, behold, we'll cross over to the men. We'll show ourselves to them. If they say to us, hey, wait until we come to you, then we'll just stand at our place. Uh, we'll not go up to them. But if they say, hey, come up to us, then we'll go up because the Lord has given them into our hands. This is, will be a shine to us. Don't you love this planning? I think I'm going to be taking this to my next uh, board meeting as the business plan for our next venture. <laughs> We're going to do something really stupid, and if it turns worse, they'll know it's a sign. <laughs> Here's two winning options. Show ourselves, and number one, they say, wait there, and we're going to come down and kill you. In which case, we just wait. <laughs> Option two, they say, come on up here. we got something to show you, the point of our swords. We'll know that that's God's sign. He's going to kill them all for us. he? Oh, well, just love the bravery and the stupidity that goes together. <laughs> it is just, if you could write this stuff, this is what God wanted in his book. Yeah. This is the story he wanted preserved. So that you would know, that's what it's like. Either option one is, you stick your neck out and all of hell breaks loose and comes raining down on your head. In which case, just stand there. Or... They say, "Come at me." What do you think you can do? And that's your invitation to turn over your community. That's your invitation to change the world. If they say you can't, it means you can. So, both of them showed themselves to the garrison. I can't imagine how silly this would have looked. This is a very hilly country, by the way. So, this crags and all this stuff. This is important. These guys are all up, up on a nice plateau in the winning position. And these two dopes come out of the rocks. One of, one of the names of the rocks, the points that he's passing through, is actually in English. It's gleaming white. That's the name of it. So when they stood up in front of this point, they would have just stood out. Like, there's dozens of, hundreds maybe, guys up on this thing looking down at these two guys that come out. And they go, Hey! Uncircum- Why are you talking about uncircumcision? Anyway, like, so, so they just, they show themselves. And then what do they say? Oh, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes or they've hidden themselves. <laughs> you know, it's jokes for groups of guys. Uh, and the man of the garrison, hailed Jonathan, as an armor bearer and said, Whoa, come up to us. We want to show you a thing or two. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, because the Lord has given them, given them into the hand of Israel. is fantastic? They invited us to the slaughter. That's great news. So Jonathan climbed on his hands and his feet, which is not a great position to go into battle earth. And the armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed them after him. At that first strike, which Jonathan, as an armor bearer, made, he killed about 20 men within, as it were, a half a furrow's length of an acre of land. Just talk half an acre. And there was a panic in the camp and in the field and among all the people and the garrison and even the ra- raiders trembled and the earth quaked, and it became a very great panic. So Jonathan is, I can't even imagine this, Jonathan's like, I've got to get up there and kill all these people who are just waiting to be killed. You know, the ones that were fully armed. And he just starts going and doing his thing. And suddenly he's killing everybody. And it's at about a half an acre, so he's got to get around. And then the panic spreads through the entire army. And the whole army starts killing each other. It is incredible. Three attitudes of faith. One, you've got to have a conviction of God's blessing. It may be that the Lord will work for Who? For us. you've Got to have confidence in his power. Nothing can hinder the Lord. And number three, you've got to be miracle assuming. He can say for many or few. It doesn't really matter. It just means we have to try. That's all that matters. I'll tell you this. In all of the church history that I've read, every season of change that has affected the world has come from regular people. Regular people trying to do something to make the world a better place in obedience to God. And every time somebody steps out, God steps in. Because it's really not about you. It's not really about us. It's not really about any of the things that we're bringing to the equation. It's about God who does miraculous things. We have to just step out. We have to believe that God is for us. That he wants to bless us. That he's not going to go, oh, what, you? No, I want to see you fail. He loves us and wants to see our success. He also, we have to have confidence in his power that he can do something that we can never do on our own. Three, you just have to assume that a miracle is going to come. Just assume it. I'm going to stand out here, God, and you're going to have to do a miracle. When Peter stepped out of the boat onto the water, God had to make it solid. They don't go solid on their own. So... The unexpected consequences were this. This is probably a less known part of the story. But after the kind of the battle rages and the other parts of the army go, wow, we're winning, let's get involved because, you know, that's what armies do. Then this happens in the community that the Philistines have already taken over. Generational problems arise. It says, now the Hebrews who had been with The Philistines before that time, who had gone up with them into the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, when all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed hard after them into battle. I'm going to tell you this. Have I got your full attention? Can you just pay attention to me for one second? When you stand up for God, you release people who have been taken captive by the enemy. Yes. Because there's lots of people who have been demoralized and defeated by this evil world who think, oh, I can't do anything. I'll just go over and be with them. I'll just follow their way. There are so many Christians who have gone cold and have just picked up the habits of our world. And when we step up, when we say, God, show up, when we take a risk that ignites the faith of those people who have even gone over to be with the enemy, who are actually working against God now, those people get convicted in their hearts and they want to return to God because they see who's really in charge. You see, we have unintended consequences. I remember years ago, have you got time for my little stories here? There right. remember years ago, Jody and I, after we got married, we'd, we felt called by God to move back to Canada. We moved, so we moved nations, we moved to Canada, and we... We went went where we thought we should go, and we got to that place, and the person said, no, we don't want you here. So then we moved to Vancouver Island, and we we went to work with my old senior pastor who had taken over a church there. This church was all old people, and there was no youth. And so Jody and I felt, well, we've got to start a youth group. We've just got to do something. So the pastor wanted that done, so we started a youth group. And, of course, there's no kids from the church, and so we just started with community kids and we, we would come, they would get them out I would go around and talk to people and they'd come out and then we'd play games and we did sports and we hung out and eventually that group grew to about 40 kids that would get together every, every week and I would, we would bowl these sports and all these games and then I would always stop for a drink and some refreshments we all cram into one room and I always read them a story and tell them the gospel and then pray for them afterwards and then gradually kids started getting saved Started coming to church. The youth group became a church youth group. And there was more and more kids just to get integrated into the church. And we started young adults. We had a young adults group that would have like 35 people at our home group. We couldn't fit them all in the house. It was nuts. We had to split the home group into two upstairs and downstairs. All of that stuff. But the thing that makes me the most excited is when we finally, after two years, we moved back to Australia. And the young people who said... All I want to be is like Joe. See, those kids that got saved, that's great. But the seeds that were planted in those kids about what they could do to also see kids saved, that's what matters to me. The people who said, I want to be like Jody, who was leading the children's ministry that had grown to almost 100 kids. The kids who saw what was modeled in us and wanted to repeat it. My friends, let me tell you this. You might not think you're inspiring, but if God gets involved in your risk, you will inspire everybody around you who will go, what? You did what? How did that? That's not you, clearly. That's got to be God. And that will encourage them to stand up and take a risk. My friends, we have the power. Other people are waiting for you to step out. People who have gone over to the enemy need to see the miracles that come from your faith. As a finish today, can I ask the, uh, the band to come? I felt I got a couple of words here to share. I'm going to take a risk here. Are you ready for that? I felt that there is some people here today, and this is God's word for you. There's so many here, there's several people here who are afraid to speak, but God has called you to speak. Now, there's two ways of speaking. Some of you are called to speak up in your workplace for Christ. And some of you are actually called to preach or to share God's word. But you have taken a step back and said, no, no, not me. As though somehow you're going to do everything. But God is calling some people to speak. And if that's you, I want you to come at the end here and respond because I feel God wants to set you free from that spirit of fear that's intimidating you. Here's a very specific word. Uh, Somebody is having trouble with their father-in-law who's being very difficult and God wants to bless you, to strengthen you, but also to overturn that situation. Somebody here has an eye infection that God wants to heal. And I'm sorry about this one, but this is the way I heard it. Somebody has a problem with their weight and I don't want to, I'm not looking up at all because I don't want you to feel like There's some sort of judgment in that, but sometimes weight problems can be health problems. Somebody else has a circulation problem, and the cold weather shows this up, and God wants to overturn that, and I felt that God is also wanting to change these things. There are people who have fear and selfishness, the spirit of not wanting to disappoint other people, the fear of conflict and the fear of not knowing how it will work out, that God wants you to set you free from those fears so that you can be obedient and follow him. I'm going to pray now, and as I'm doing, I'm going to ask that we all stand together and just engage in some time of worship. And then we're going to have a ministry time to really set people free from that intimidating spirit. Father, I thank you that you did not give us a spirit of fear but you gave us a spirit of love and of, of joy and a sound mind. So I pray, Father, right now that you would be releasing that spirit upon us right now. That love, that joy, that peace, that, that strength and soundness of mind would come to us now. Lord, I just right now rebuke the spirit of fear and intimidation, that fear, that spirit that keeps us hidden, that keeps us as far away from the problem as we can, that spirit that pushes us back and doesn't let us step into the destiny that we've been given. Lord, I pray that you will overthrow that in our our hearts and in our lives and in this church, Lord, that you would overthrow that and you would give us the power to be obedient to you, to follow your calling, Lord, to stick our necks out and to to take risky steps, Lord, that only you can miraculously change. So, Lord, we put our faith in you today and pray, Father, for a revival in our spirits, Lord, to take actions, Lord, that put into practice the thing that you are calling us to be and do, Lord. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. I pray that you would move now by your spirit, Lord, as you draw people out who are who need your healing, that need your help, that need your touch on their lives, Lord, to do the miracle in them so that they can live the lives that they're called to live. Those health problems, Lord, we overthrow them now in Jesus' name. Those relationship problems we overthrow them now and lord all of those things that are holding us back lord we pray that you overthrow them and give us confidence to step out into your will lord in jesus name thank you lord you've been listening to a message from hope central in adelaide south australia if you want more information about who we are visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.